Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Yes, indeed, lacrosse fans, you heard the man. It's time for Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified right here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition, episode 25. That is crazy to think about. Episode 25, about to go down here on Lax Class. Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer back with you. Thanks for joining us. As the final week of the regular season has wrapped up in the National Lacrosse League, the playoffs are next, and uh, we'll talk about those coming up, and we'll talk about uh, who we had, who we got uh, coming up in round one of the playoffs as well, and uh, we're going to discuss the National Lacrosse League awards as well near the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. A couple of great guests coming up this week as well as we will have the general manager of Team Canada's World Indoor Lacrosse Team and the head coach of the Georgia Swarm. I'm just going to go with Eddie C. right now, Evan, because we don't fully know whether it's Ed Como or whether it's Ed Camo. So we'll just go with Ed C. right now, and then once we get Eddie on the line, we will settle this debate once and for all. And then we will talk to the head coach and general manager of the San Diego Seals. So a couple of playoff teams that are bound. Head coach, general manager of the San Diego Seals, one Pat Merrill, will be on the podcast in about 35 minutes from now. Evan, let's get you in here. Regular season, it's over. Playoffs are next. Yeah, episode 25. Can you imagine? It's been a half a year since we had both the PLPA and the owners on discussing the CBA, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah, back in November, um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, not the greatest weekend for lacrosse, a lot of lopsided games, but when a lot of the games didn't matter, I, I kind of expected that. And a lot of teams just kind of going through the motions, getting ready for the playoffs. Some teams already out of it, that, you know, one game that they just got to play. But now we get into the excitement, and I'm not expecting those kind of blowouts coming up this week. No, me either. Uh, we will discuss here uh, on who we got uh, coming up a little bit later. Uh, it is a gorgeous day here in British Columbia. I'm going to be heading out to the ranch uh, out there in Cloverdale to Stampede Tack and Western Wear. I think we're going to do this uh, uh, tomorrow, which will be Wednesday Take a few pictures in uh, my cowboy outfit uh, on Wednesday. We're going to do that. Uh, hopefully, we got nice weather. Maybe we can get outside and I can like get right up on a bowl or something, which would be just astonishing to see. So, we'll look forward to that. Uh, it was kind of a crazy weather week, though, Evan, because coming back from Saskatchewan last weekend, first off, I got delayed in Saskatoon. They put us on the plane, and then all of a sudden, the captain came back into the cabin. You know that's never a good situation. So he got on the microphone and said, listen, here's the deal. We can either get everybody off the plane and then bring you back on the plane, or you can just sit on the plane, because Calgary is not letting us take off from here 
because they didn't have a gate ready for the plane that was supposed to land because there was 25 centimeters of snow in Calgary over the weekend as we roll into May. That is insane. Actually, yeah, we were having the same winter warnings for Saskatoon. Somehow we avoided it. Um, but when I came down to Calisys, it was like, oh, here's all the winter conditions. <laughs> Should I make the trip? Luckily, the snow melted on the road. It was all over the ditch. But now today, it's all melted away. So it was like it never happened. Yeah, I literally packed shorts for Saskatoon. I wore shorts in Saskatoon over the weekend. And then on my way back, snow. And then once I got to the Calgary airport... I, I wasn't obviously the only person in that situation. So the Calgary airport was busier than I'd ever seen it in my life. Like there weren't enough seats in the terminal for the amount of people that were waiting to get on their flight. But uh, we made it home and I've been pretty lucky as far as flights go this year as well without having any delays or anything. So just wanted to kind of get that in there because uh, usually that sort of thing happens at least once a year, but it took till the final game of the regular season for it to happen to me, okay, Evan, uh, we got to get into this because uh, we got Ed C. waiting uh, to come on to the podcast here. There were four games in week 20 of the last weekend of the regular season of the National Cross League. So let's run through them here. It started on Friday night. It was the Toronto Rock. You know this about Toronto. I think they only had like, I want to say like four flights this year. Total. Uh, with their schedule, the amount of times that they play in the East uh, compared to the amount of times that they play in the West, like I think they only had to fly to, I want to say, San Diego, Vancouver, Calgary, and Colorado or something like that. And that's it. They drove. And or, Georgia. Okay. So maybe that was one of the teams. But they have a like crazy schedule as far as flying goes. Like They, they just don't have to fly very much, which is... Quite unique. Um, Toronto at Vancouver, and I guess this one was to be expected, Evan. 15-9, the final for the Rock. Uh, a dominating performance in the faceoff. Vancouver was just getting being hammered in faceoffs for what seems like the last month or so. Another nice performance from Keegan Ball with four goals, but just not enough for Vancouver. Schreiber with nine points. Uh, a 6-3 second quarter, a 5-2 fourth quarter was kind of... What was the difference in this one uh, as the Rock go away winning and have the same record as the Georgia Swarm at the end of the year, but that head-to-head goes to the Swarm. So they finish second to the Swarm. Rock finished third, but nice, impressive victory to wrap up the season and and feeling good heading into the playoffs. I'm going to love that matchup because, let's put it this way, there was first game, Lyle Thompson had to score two goals in the last minute to win it. Toronto won the next one in overtime, so that's going to be a great matchup. Getting back to this game, uh, even without Jay Thornburton in the lineup, Vancouver went 8 for 28. So in their last three games of the season, Vancouver went 16 for 94 on faceoffs, 17%, and just 35% on the season. Man. I mean, you've got you to gotta find a faceoff guy, even if he's a FOGO. Yeah. Who cares? You, yeah, you, you got to wonder. You got to really wonder what what kind of a difference a faceoff man w- might have made to that Vancouver team this season. Yeah, uh, you know Vancouver really were going through the motions. They were down early. They got it back to ten seven, and then Toronto went on a five goal run, and it just kind of ended it. One great shot. If you look at this, 
Nick Rose, I think it was the end of the first quarter, oh, launches yeah. one. Yeah. Middle of the net, like no bounce. Like middle of the net, yeah. unfortunately, went in a half a second too late. That's great. We know Rosie can uh, put the ball in the net. He did it twice, I think, last year. So um, came up a half second short in that one, but Toronto prevails 15 9. Uh, Warriors will miss the playoffs in the West, and uh, they got some work to do there in Vancouver. Let's move along. New England at Rochester, and this one was kind of over at halftime. It was 8-1 for the Black Wolves, but give the Nighthawks some credit. They didn't fold the tent in this one. Uh, they battle back, but come up two goals short. 14-12 the final. Callum Crawford with a seven spot uh, in the goal category. Puts up nine points in that one. But I think the biggest story coming out of this has got to be my man Dougie Jameson. Another goalie goal. Rose didn't score, but Doug Jameson did. <laughs> About the weirdest goalie goal you're going to see. It didn't come at the end of a quarter. It didn't come towards the end of the game with the goalie pulled. Rochester went for a six-on-five trick play. And before the guy that was coming off could, could tail off to the bench to get um, Warren Hill back in the net. And this, is, this shot, is in the third. Holes, yeah, sorry, Evan. This quarter. is in the third quarter with four minutes no, to go in it, right? No, first quarter. First down quarter. Down four-nothing. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, they take the shot five-hole square into Jameson's stick and – off he goes, right? So you don't expect a goalie goal with that kind of time left. Um, the game was a little more lopsided than the score shows. Rochester scored seven of the last nine. They were down quite a bit. Ryan Benesh was seven points, and you have to wonder this offseason what's going to happen with him. He's a unrestricted free agent that's not franchisable. So does he go to Halifax, or does he go to maybe a better, better contender closer to home? in the Toronto Rock that needs a lefty. That's something to watch out for. Crawford, his seven goals, gives him a one-goal win in the season standings over Dane Doby. Uh, but, you know, of course, in the when we talk about the MVP, I think a lot of us have kind of passed on him based on what happened in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you can't you can't ignore it, right? And it happened, and I and I it did it did it did affect my my MVP voting, no question about it. And tough for Dean Doby. You thought he had a real legitimate shot at the triple crown, and he did. But uh, at the end of the day, like he still he still wins the scoring race, but he doesn't finish first in either goal scoring or assist. Kind of weird how that transpired. But um, yeah, I mean Ryan Benesh be real interesting to see what he wants to do. Real interesting to see what he wants to do. And he's in a nice spot being an unrestricted free agent and unfranchisable where he can just he can pick pick his spot. So um, good for him. Uh, we both had Rochester in this game, I believe, Evan. So one That's right. Yeah, one and one so far on the weekend. Uh, moving along into Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, uh, over 13,000 as the Rush Nation win the attendance derby once again here in 2019. Uh, you want to talk about games being over at halftime. Actually, Shani and his power rankings over there on IL actually said it was 11-1 after the first quarter. <laughs> that would have been a quarter for the ages if Saskatchewan did that, but that wasn't the case. It was 11-1 at halftime. Uh, and then they just 
put it on cruise control. And, and even Coach Keenan said that he was trying to guard against it. He didn't want to see that happen. Uh, but it did happen, and I just I really think it's almost human nature that it's going to happen. When you have that kind of a lead, it's hard to keep your foot on the throat uh, for that amount of time. But some real good things coming out of this game for Saskatchewan's sake, I would say, Evan. They go perfect on the penalty kill, holding Colorado 0 for 5, something they struggled at doing all year long. So that's a good sign for the short man unit. Uh, leading point getters in this game for Saskatchewan, Marty Dinsdale with four goals and two assists. He kind of woke up. And Ryan Keenan uh, with six points in that game as well. But I think the biggest thing of all, Evan, was the performance of one Evan Kirk. And coming off that game against the Roughnecks, a lot of people asking questions about Evan Kirk and the and the rush. Well, uh, one goal in that first half, and he was about as sharp as he could be, was first star in the game, and I think that's a real positive sign for the rush heading into the playoffs. That one, like, remember, the one goal he allowed deflection. in the first half was off a deflection. Yeah. You know, but, and it wasn't that Colorado was getting massively outshot and Kirk was having an easy time. He was making a lot of big saves. I think Colorado was only down about five shots at the half. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was anything crazy. They just couldn't find the back of the net. Um, you know, yeah, the rush let off the gas in the second half, and maybe that's a good thing. Because if they would have just continued to run the board on Colorado, maybe they're not as into, you know, putting a dominant performance this weekend. Because these two got to play again this weekend, first round of the playoffs. You know, having that adversity in the second half maybe is a wake up call that you know you gotta keep playing as hard as you can. Uh, goaltending controversy definitely over for the rush. We know who's going to be the starter, uh, Jeremy Noble. Uh, you know, gets a hat trick. He hadn't had a goal in four months. His first half was just awful. There were some plays that just like, oh my God, what's happening? But then the second half, once he got one, then he was just on target. And uh, I hate to say it, if you're a rush fan, that's the last guy you want to have any confidence right now. Yeah. The other thing to take from this, the rush win their sixth straight division title in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And this is actually just one off the record for the Toronto Rock who from 99 to 2005 had seven. That's incredible. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a dynasty at this stage. Yeah, other things that I, I noticed in this game, and Jeremy Noble was definitely one of them, and, and it really seemed like Sean Williams uh, was designing plays for Jeremy Noble on the power play. He moved him to the point. Uh, he was trying to get him looks and get him shots and put him in spots where he was going to be successful. And it looked like a real concentrated effort to get Jeremy Noble. And he had a hat trick. With all that being said, Colorado still manages just eight goals. What I found a little bit interesting, they pulled Dylan Ward. Um, Steve Fryer came in, one shot, one goal. They pulled Fryer back out, and Dylan Ward went back in. And I almost felt like it was Dylan Ward going, like, I want to play this game. I want to break out of this rut that I'm in. And he did. In that second half, he was much better. And I would expect a much closer game come Friday night. That game will be on a Friday, uh, this Friday, from Sastel Center, a rematch between Colorado and Saskatchewan. We will talk about that a little bit later. I do have to get this in, though, Evan. They're in Saskatchewan. One Kim F. Coates was in the building. If you're wondering who Kim F. Coates is, he's a, a Saskatoon native, went to the University of Saskatchewan, but he is of Sons of Anarchy fame, Tig. From Sons of Anarchy is Kim F. Coates, and he was at the game 
on mm-hmm. Saturday night, and uh, couldn't have been a nicer dude. I ran into, had a chance to run into him after the game, took a couple of pictures, and we talked a little bit of lacrosse, and he actually knew like what he was talking about. That was his very first ever rush game, and he was just absolutely blown away by it. He went into the locker room and had a little speech and all the rest of it. You can see that on social media, but uh, real cool dude, and and uh, couldn't have been any nicer, and the man knows his lacrosse, so that was kind of neat well. to have him there. And we also got rid of the curse. Yes, I wanted to bring that up as well. <laughs> the jersey curse, you know, we finally got the, the old jersey. We didn't burn it. Um, we're going to be sending it. I'm hoping to send it off to the guys in Uganda lacrosse. So this thing never shows up at the Sastel Center again. Yeah. Uh, well, that's know, kind of the point, right, it. Evan, is that they but, don't they don't want to have that jersey ever come back into Sastel Center because that's kind of where the – it's not so much the jersey, it's the jersey being inside Sastel. So we had uh, Ryan Booth come out to rush practice, and a big thanks to Ben McIntosh and, of course, Brandon Urban and the Saskatchewan Rush for hooking up uh, Ryan Booth with a new McIntosh jersey, not just a Ben McIntosh jersey. Ben, he actually presented it to Ryan, but – he signed it and put the curses over on it, and it's actually a game-worn Ben McIntosh jersey. So I know uh, Ryan didn't expect that. I didn't really either. He was super fired up about it. Ben couldn't have been better about it, and uh, I just want to make sure I get a thanks into to the Rush and, and Brandon Urban for, for kind of making all of that happen. As the final score in this game, Evan, was much closer than the game actually was. 13-8 to Rush take it. They sweep the season series, and as mentioned, we'll play the Mammoth again on Friday. Friday night in round one of the playoffs. One more game to go before we get to Eddie C. Buffalo went down to San Diego, a chance to have their best regular season as a franchise for the Bandits against San Diego. And man, oh man, uh, they took him to the woodshed here, Evan, and put a weapon on him. 18-7 the final, 5-1 in the first quarter, 5-1 in the third quarter. Balanced attack here from the Bandits up front. Eight points from Evans was the high man. Chase Fraser with a nice game. Matt Vance holds another team under seven. Actually held him to five and then got pulled as Higgins came in and allowed two. But 18-7, that's got to be a huge confidence boost for Buffalo. And a little concerning for San Diego. We're going to ask Pat Merrill about that in a little bit. But 18-7, the final in this one, it wasn't close. No, it wasn't, and you got to be a little concerned. First off, ever since Austin Stotts went down, San Diego has just gone downhill. What is, is it, know, five in a row now? Georgia. Uh, yeah, Georgia and New England, like it's just been in the rush, and it, it just fell off the map. They had that number one spot in their hands, and they just couldn't pull it out. Yeah, Buffalo was up 5-1 out of the gate, but and you know, San Diego kind of makes it close at five four, and then Buffalo gets eleven of the next twelve. That's how bad it was. Um, Frankie Shiliano, he's also struggling right now, and I don't know. Perhaps it's he's just exhausted. This is something that's happened in Calgary too before, where you know he just doesn't have that extra step at the end of the season. So something to watch in the playoffs is whether that continues. Um, and you kind of have to wonder too whether there was some scoreboard watching in San Diego, and they knew that the rush were up eleven-one, and it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting battle next week because San Diego hosts Calgary. San Diego with this massive losing streak coming into the playoffs, um, and Calgary red hot. Mm-hmm. So you know this is 
you I don't know what San I don't think San Diego's the favorite in this one. No, I don't think they are either. Both teams ten and eight, but both teams heading in opposite directions. So uh we'll we'll talk to Patrick Merrill about that in a little bit, but uh right now we gotta get oh no, let's uh, let's do this, Evan. Just let's make it official, shall we? Final. Well, what do we do? We we both went three and one. That uh... no, uh, you went three and one. I went two and two. Oh, oh, how about that? Did a little better on the final week of the season, did I? Okay, now that makes me feel a little bit better. All right. Uh, <laughs> overall totals, uh, as you will be crowned champion here in uh, year one of who you got by Stampy Tack. What are the final standings? I'm sixty six and thirty three, so spot on two thirds. Uh, 67%. You went 60 and 39, 61%. But 60 and 39, to be like I said, in most pickums, mm. is in first or second place. So you shouldn't be too embarrassed. No, I'm not embarrassed. Uh, I will take care of that on Wednesday out at uh, Stampede Tack in Western Wear. Uh, congratulations. Uh, well done. Nicely, nicely done. Good job, Evan. Uh, you win. Uh, who you got for year number one with a 66 and 33 record. Pretty, pretty impressive stuff, I must say. Okay, now we got to get to break. Uh, on the other side, we will have the head coach of the Georgia Swarm and the general manager of Team Canada. It's Eddie C. on the other side here of Extreme Threads, Lacrosse Classified. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom-designed apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. Hey, this is Dylan Ward, goaltender for the Colorado Mammoths. You're listening to the Lacrosse Craft Slide on Lax All-Stars. Growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to Extreme Threats, Lacrosse Classified. You just heard it right there. They are title sponsor here on Lax Class. Find them at extremethreats.ca. Mention my name, and when you sign your team up for an apparel package, your coach, your manager... We'll get some free stuff. It's that simple. Sales at extremethreads.ca. I suggest you do that promptly. Uh, now join the podcast, I believe, for the very first time. It's Ed. And I don't want to say your last name right now because there's been some debate over how to pronounce it. Uh, he is the head coach of the Georgia Swarm. He is the general manager of Team Canada's indoor national team. Ed, is it Como or Camo? The proper way I've always been told to say it is come on, but I answer to either. So it's uh, whatever doesn't matter too much to me. Well, we want it. The proper way is the way we want to say it. And for all these years, I thought it was was Como. But now I know coming right from you. You heard it here right on Lacrosse Classified. It's Ed Camo. So, Eddie. Yeah, I, think, I think there's uh, with uh, being someone from out west, it was a famous uh, – goalie no relation to to me a hall of famer you've probably heard of uh so he uh, uh i think that's where all the lacrosse people go by como because that was the uh that was the, that was the the only lacrosse name uh that was out there 
close to my name back in the day. Sure, sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, we'll talk about Team Canada here in a few minutes, Eddie, but uh, let's talk about your Georgia Swarm. Another pretty successful year down there in Georgia, 12-6. and six. Um Good home record, little little spotty on the road, but you're going to get that home playoff game against Toronto. What would you think of your year as a whole? I think, like a lot of teams in the league this year, the expansion and losing players, it it really, uh, for a team like us that we thought we had a lot of talent, we knew it was going to take us a little bit of time to get our get ourselves resorted out because we knew we were going to lose some really good players and which we did. So, um, I thought it was a good year for us. Uh, we were, we have a good fortune. We expect to be in the playoffs. So making the playoffs is great, but certainly not our end goal. And, and once you win a championship in this league and you have a lot of guys back from that team, they, they certainly feel like they can do it again. So, um, good season, Played well for a lot of the games, and uh, but work to do, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully this Monday we can uh, continue on that quest to uh, try to win another championship. And speaking of the expansion draft, you lost a couple guys up front. You bring in Zed Williams, bring in Holden Katoni. Talk about how much those two guys have contributed in, to the overall offense and on the team. Yeah, Zed was someone we had last year, but we just didn't have a spot for him up front where he was most comfortable. We played him out the back door, and and he did a good job back there, but that really wasn't his comfort zone. And, and we really knew going into camp that he would have an opportunity to play where we thought he was comfortable. And from day one, he he wowed us and how good he was and how big and strong he is, and he just pushes people around and and. Uh, but he's also altered his game because I think he grew up where he was the, the man and could take the ball and go to the net, but he's really plays great in our team system and moves the ball well. And, and obviously playing with Lyle and Randy, he does a lot of work for those guys to get those guys open and make them be as good as what they are as well. So he's been great. And, and Holden picking up in, in the trade, losing Jesse King was not something we really wanted to do. But we knew at some point with him, his being in Victoria and us being on the other side of the continent, it was just going to become too difficult for him to do at some point. And so when Holden was available, we really liked Holden and we thought he'd fit in well. And he really has. And it gives us an outside shooting threat. But really, we like what he does also within our system and how hard he works off the ball. So, yeah, two two good guys. and. You know, fortunate enough, uh, John Arlotta, our general manager and, and owner, has done a great job of stockpiling some really good draft picks over the years. And when you get into expansion, you really need that depth. And, and I think that's one of the reasons we were able to have, have such a good record this year after losing, you know, two, you know, Kyle Matisse and Jordan Hall, two really strong players for our team last season. Speaking with Eddie Camo, um, speaking of availability, a guy that hasn't been available to you over the last few weeks, or at least a couple, I think now, is, is Mikey Poulin, who went down with an injury. Um, but he been pretty quiet, and I don't expect you to, to give me a medical report here, Eddie, but uh, can you give me a, maybe a percentage on whether uh, Mike's going to be able to, to go for you on Monday night? Well, we certainly hope he is. We I, I think he'd be the first to say that he's, wants to play and 
hopes to play. Uh, that really is going to depend on how this week goes and, and actually having playing on the Monday isn't always ideal, but having those couple extra days probably going to help them. So I, I think like most veteran guys in this league that they're not going to want to miss a playoff game. So I, again, do we expect them to play? Sure. But we're not going to make that decision until we get much closer and, and get another chance to evaluate it, evaluate them when we get down to Atlanta on the weekend. This is a question we've asked a lot of coaches over the year. How good is Lyle Thompson? He must be an absolute treat to coach. I tell people ask me that all the time, and I say, I've had people ask me, how good is Lyle Thompson? And I, I always say that he is by far the best player in the game. And I, I say that with no disrespect to guys that are leading scorers or guys that are MVP defenders or guys that are really good at face-offs. Lyle is the best player. He can do he, it all. He can do it all. He's he's the you know the basketball the five tool player. Like uh, you know we haven't used him on the man short, but if I had to, I would have no qualms about doing that. Power play, defense, ball team. He's taken some face offs for us this year. Like and 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 the, the one of the best guys I've ever seen pressure up the floor in all my years in the game, being able to cause turnovers and wreak havoc and and running back shutting off transition he's unbelievable and and you know most importantly as i tell people too great player but even better just a great person like lyle is a really great guy cares about the team cares about his teammates wants to win but wants to do it the right way he's not uh he's not a showboat he's not uh anything but uh classy uh, individual, and it, he's really he's really grown the last few years in the league. The first year he barely spoke, and, and just getting to know the guys on the team. And now he's he's one of our leaders, and and a guy that leads not necessarily by what he says, but just how hard he plays every shift he's out there. And yeah, honor. I I, I tell people all the time uh, when you the greatest thing about coaching is every coach in the league is a big fan, and when you get to Stand there and be a watch, not only at games but at practices. The things that Lyle does—it's—it's it, it's an honor to get to coach a guy like that. And I put him in the same class as I, I tell people it was an honor to get to coach, you know, Casey Powell and John Grant and Jimmy Veltman and Colin Doyle. And it, it, it's an honor to get to uh, to watch Lyle. And I'm glad I, I hopefully get to do it for a lot of years. And, and maybe yeah, the crazy part is one of the greatest field players out there as well. Like it's not just the box game; he's that versatile. Yeah, and I, and I was going to say, Eddie, that that maybe the one thing that you didn't mention that's maybe the most impressive out of all with Lyle Thompson is that he's he's got a motor that just doesn't quit. Like I honestly think he could not come off the floor and he could play a full game. Like I, I watched him do it in Senior B, and he still looked fresh. Yeah, he does. Uh, he definitely. Even when he looks like he's tired, he just seems like he's got that extra extra gear and is able to to chase guys down or chase down loose ball. And, and some of the some of the loose balls that he comes up with are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fundamentally are absolutely something you wouldn't tell players to do. Yeah, but he's just so good and he, he's so quick and he battles so hard. Uh, when he goes in the corner for a loose ball, I'm pretty confident he's going to come up with it. Like that's 
That, that's how good he is, and, and just, again, as I said, treat the coach. Yeah, absolutely. As we speak with Ed Camo, um, you, you talked about caring and wanting to win and wanting to win the right way, and, and when you mention that about Lyle, it makes me think of your general manager and owner, John Arlotta, and, and I had a chance to work under John for a couple of years when they were in Minnesota, and, and it was an absolute delight, and, and just like I got the utmost respect for the man, and I'm sure you do too, Eddie. Uh, just uh, just give me some words on John Arlotta and your relationship with him. Well, John is, a, you know, you, you said it, Jake. He's, he's a really great man who is, you know, I, I, feel, I feel upset that he often gets portrayed in, in a light that's just not true. Uh, any player who's ever played for him only says good things about him. Uh, he, you know, he has a simple rule. It's called the do right rule. And he says, you can never be right. You can never be wrong when you do right. And, you know, that goes for our whole organization. We try to treat people with respect, whether they're referees, whether they're uh, off ice, off floor officials, whether they're, uh, you know, coaches, everyone. And, and that's the way he operates it. And, and when I, uh, when I first, the first press conference I went down to Atlanta, he talked about um, our team and building our team. And he said, it takes talent to play in the NLL, but it takes character to play for the swarm. And I said, I said to him after, John, that's got to go up in our room. And that is right over top of our room as we exit the, uh, onto the floor every game. And we, and we talk about that. And that's important to John that, uh, that he, he wants, uh, you know, he wants to surround himself with good people and he wants to surround himself with people that want to win for the right reasons and, and want to want, want to just embrace the game and grow the game. So he's, he's done a great job and, again, great great guy to work for. And, and, uh, and he's really, uh, you know, uh, people don't, because he never picked up a lacrosse stick and played, people don't respect. Uh, with his knowledge, but I'll tell you, I've I've learned a lot working with him <laughs> and his insight, watching the games and, and watching other teams play, and really a really good lacrosse mind, and spends uh, a lot of time at it. So uh, it, again, great to work for, and and I know the the staff and the players all feel the same way. And and when uh, we were able to win a couple of years ago, that was uh, that was a big part of us winning. Was hey, we really wanted to win for John because he's. You know, he's put his heart and soul along with his wallet into this league for a lot of years and has, has tried to help this league grow. And, uh, and you know, getting him a championship was, uh, was great, and we certainly hope we can do it again. Looking forward to this weekend, uh, Monday night game, which probably changes the preparation a bit. But you had one game where Lyle Thompson had a score twice in the last minute to get your win over the Rock. They then beat you in overtime. So it's going to be a. I'm expecting a heck of a match. What's the keys to success this weekend? Well, I think Toronto. Watching Toronto play, uh, they've got lots of weapons on offense. Uh, lots of guys can put the ball in the net, and and uh, but I really think their strength really is in their transition game. That they really put teams on their heels. And Jalen Rogers has been phenomenal this year and last year for that matter, and certainly his ability to not only play great defense, but then push the ball and turn, turn those opportunities into offensive, uh, offensive shots on goal or just, 
you know, making teams play defense that they're not ready to play because he's pushing the ball. And they've got a number of other guys that do that. So, and, and Nick Rosas played really well. And Nick really plays into that transition game. He, he comes up throwing uh, really good rebound control and throws the ball up the floor. And, and uh, so it's going to be important for us to, to really not allow them to get running. And, and conversely, I'm sure they say the same thing about us because we think we can run pretty well too. And we've got guys who can push the ball at the back end with Bomberry and weed them into young kids. But, you know, certainly, uh, you know, Jordan McIntosh and, you know, a number of other veterans that can really push the ball. So uh, transition is going to be important. But, you know, we, we really think five and five game for us too is, is one of our strengths, both offensively and defensively. And uh, for us, um, you know, we think if we can keep it, you know, keep keep a handle on the transition game, that we hopefully can be successful in the five and five game. Last one here for you, Eddie. Um, obviously, the the season is the focus right now for you, but uh, September in Langley has got to be on the back of your mind, if if not all the time. World Championships coming up. Uh, you are the general manager of Team Canada. I don't know if you can let us know, but when can we expect a roster? Uh, to be released, and, and how excited are you to, to kind of lead the charge here for, for Team Canada? And I would assume it's it's gold or bust. Yeah, pretty exciting. An it, honor ever always to be a part of the national team, whatever level you're in, whether you're coaching a national team in Pee Wee or whether it's the senior men's national team. It, it's an honor to be part of that and and um, get to work with a great group of guys, a little different than the past time, you know, different staff with uh, Ben Clark being head coach and Patty Coyle, Trevor Miloski, Mike Hazen, and, and uh, Mikey McKay. So uh, I, one of the great things about being involved in the national team is getting to work with other coaches and learning from those coaches. So for me, even though I'm a general manager, I, I said I kind of want to be a fly on the wall and I want to I want to try to learn. And, and I think all the, the whole group has said the same thing. We're all there to obviously be successful and try to win another world championship, but certainly to, to grow and learn as coaches and managers. Um, in, in terms of the team, you know, we've had some dialogue. I think the initial plan is to name a player pool of uh, somewhere between 30 and 35 players, uh, initial player pool. We hope to do that in the next kind of couple of weeks. And then probably at the end of the NLL season, we'll be close to being able to name our, uh, name our roster of, players that we plan to take with us and uh, you know pretty tough decisions to make as you can imagine yeah. uh, there's so many uh, <laughs> so many talented players and and uh, it's it's yeah it's, it's really difficult to pick and, and I, I told the coaches having you know done this for a few years it's uh, it's tough and no matter who you pick uh, people are going to say you shouldn't have picked that guy or you should have picked this guy and so you just have to do what you think is best and uh Time will tell. If, if you're placed in the uh, the trophy, then no one's going to say anything to you. And, yeah. Uh, that's 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 hopefully the goal, right? And and hopefully we can we can make that happen. And it's great to be on home home soil. We haven't really played uh, other than uh, a couple of Heritage Cup games. We haven't played at home since 2007. Right. So this is uh, th- this is big for us. And and we were out there a few weeks back out in Langley and met with the the event center staff and, and they're excited. They've got 
lots going on. It sounds like it's going to be a great event, and we're, we're really looking forward to it. Same as we are, Eddie. Uh, hey, listen, I really appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck with uh, the rest of the season here with the Swarm, and we will see you in Langley in September. Great. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. That was Eddie Camo as we settled the debate right here on the Cross Classified. You now know it is Eddie Camo. That's how you pronounce his name, Evan. We got to get to break. We got Pat Merrill waiting on the other side. So let's take a break and we'll be joined by the GM and the head coach of the San Diego Seals next here on Extreme Threats Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Andrew Suter of the New England Black Wolves. You're listening to the Cross Classified on Lax All Stars Podcast Network. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on Lax All Stars. And once again, a massive thanks to our friends at Pure Vital Labs. Uh, best supplements on the market, informed choice certified, all natural supplements uh, there, and tons of lacrosse players using the goods. Challen Rogers and Christian Del Bianco, Curtis Dixon, Callan Crawford, you name it, they are on it. Uh, it's Pure Vital Labs. Find them at pvl.com or at Pure Vital Labs social media. Anything else would be unsportsmanlike. It's Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer, now joined by the head coach and the general manager of the San Diego Seals. It's Pat Merrill on the podcast. Pat, thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Our pleasure. Uh, we know we got a, a, another game to get to. Not a lacrosse game. We're not going to tell you tell the people where you are. But you got a game to get to, so we won't keep you too long here on Lax Class. But uh, we appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah, no worries. Yeah. I, I, My pleasure. I, yeah, our pleasure as well. Um, I guess... Bit of a, a sour taste in your mouth coming off that uh, performance on the weekend. How do you how do you put a game like that in the rearview mirror with the next game that you're about to play being a real important one? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, uh, we weren't good in, in really any facet of the game last weekend, and uh, um, disappointing end of the year for for sure. Um, that being said, you know I think um, you know it was obviously just like any tough loss. It's uh, uh, it's a shot to the system. It's a, it's a bit of a wake up call in a lot of ways, and um, you know, so we're we're going to use what we can uh, from that game to be better next week, and and then throw the rest away and, and focus on on just being our best against Calgary next week. I think back to the start of the year, we had Steve Govett on the podcast, and he said the goal was to make the playoffs. Obviously, the bar has been raised quite a bit. What do you contribute most to the success of the Seals this year? Because nobody expected them to be this good. Um, well, I, you know, I think one of the things is that we, we don't consider this uh, a success just yet. Um, you know, we, um, you know, we said, said day one, you know, going into training camp that we weren't going to treat each other uh, like an expansion team or even really mention that, uh, that word a whole lot uh, or that term a whole lot. So I think that's been a, a part of our identity all year, um, you know, but it, it's, uh, you know, I think it, it shows the parity, parity in the league as well. We're, 
Um, you know, if you show up and work and you, you play a certain style across, you give yourself a chance to win every week. And if you don't, um, games like last week can happen. So, um, we, uh, you know, again, not to sound cliche, but we, we try to just focus on every week and, and treat it like our, it, it was our last. And, and, uh, we're going to do the same going into, into this, uh, do or die playoff game next week. Speaking with Pat Merrill and, and, Unfortunately, you won't have your rookie phenom and Austin Stotts in the lineup come Monday night, but a couple of guys that you will have will be Dan Dawson and, and your brother Brody. Is this the reason that you kind of went out and signed a couple of veterans like Dawson and, and Brody for a situation like this where you need that kind of leadership with a young team going into a big game like this? How much are you going to lean on these guys? Yeah, well... Um... We, we've leaned on them quite a bit all year, and and we'll we'll, we'll need to lean on them even more, um, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, th- this time of year is the reason why they chose to sign with us, and uh, um, so um, and we built the team around those two um, at both ends of the floor, and um, and so and and I know just from from who they are and and, and being teammates of both of them in the past, and knowing their character that they're going to bring. Uh, the best that they have um, in the playoffs, and, and they usually rise to the occasion, and 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 I think they've shown that their entire career. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's good to have them also, like you mentioned, as as that calming presence that have that have experience in the playoffs, and and that goes along with a few of our other veterans as well. And uh, you know, that's certainly going to be a key of ours, you know, in, pre- in preparation for next week. When you're building a expansion team, obviously you're looking for a few diamonds in the rough. Uh, guys that may have been passed over and you'll take a look you know a guy like Casey Jackson who you know mm-hmm. didn't get much of a chance in Vancouver he flourishes in in San Diego Frankie Shiliano who is demoted to a backup role he comes in has been mm-hmm. fabulous most of the year and then Garrett Billings you know what can you say about that guy because you know, he's been away from the game for a while. And now he's racking up assists like there, you know, like there's no tomorrow. Maybe mm-hmm. just talk about the contributions of these three real quickly. Yeah, I think um, you know. Again, I think that goes back to you know a lot of our guys. I would say the majority of our guys had had something to prove going into this season, and uh, uh, we've been the beneficiary of that as a team. And and uh, you know, starting with with Casey, um, you know, he's he was close to scoring 40 goals. Uh, he, um, yeah, didn't get much of a chance before um, he came to us. But you know, if you watch kind of his numbers in the summer and the way he played for Victoria last summer, um, you know, you could tell that he was definitely you know NLL ready to to, to make a, a contribution somewhere. And we were fortunate enough to get him. And um, you know, he's especially stepped up since Austin has gone down on our left side there. And and um, he brings a really unique skill set to our offense, so we're happy to have him in a lot of ways. You know, and Frankie, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, again, we're, we're real lucky to get Frankie. We, it was a priority of ours going into the expansion draft to try and secure him and, and make him our starter. Uh, and um, he's been not only great on the floor, but he is uh, he's a quality, quality, quality person and, and a great leader in his own way, a quiet leader in his own way. And, uh, even though he's still a pretty young guy, um, he's been great for us. But um, you know, and then and then Garrett, um, obviously, um, you know, I, I had the chance to play with Garrett in Toronto. But you know, more importantly, uh, shooter uh, Josh Anderson, our offensive coach, uh, had great chemistry with Garrett when when they played together in Toronto as well. And um, you know, we both 
had had faith that he, you know, he's one of the most intelligent players in, in, to ever play the game, in my opinion. And um, and even though so even though he he was you know been away from the game due to injury the last couple of years, uh, we still knew that he had that um, he had that IQ and he had that skill set that was very unique. Um, and um, and it was just a matter of opportunity. And uh, we were lucky enough. And he's, he's still not, you know, he's still in his early 30s. So, in my opinion, you know, between, you know, late 20s, early 30s is kind of a guy's prime in this league. And um, and again, we were really, really lucky to, to get him in the off season. And, and that was one of the first guys that we targeted when when we had the chance. So, um, but yeah, all three of them have been key contributors to us all year long. And we're gonna again to depend on them quite a bit in the playoffs as well couple of more minutes here with the GM and head coach of the San Diego Seals, Pat Merrill. Um, bit of an odd situation having a playoff game and it being on a Monday night. Uh, I hope the fans down there in SoCal show up to Pachanga on Monday night to, to cheer on their Seals. But let's let's talk about your opponent here for a second, Patrick. Uh, Calgary, yep. maybe one of the hottest teams in the National Lacrosse League going into the playoffs. Uh, they are going to be a stiff test for you, but you guys have had a pretty solid record on your home floor. What are, what are going to be some of the keys to to beat in Calgary come Monday. Well, as you mentioned, they're they're hot right now, and and um, you know we know we know how good they are. They're um, they don't have very many weaknesses. Um, they're really solid up front, especially since adding uh, Jesse King back in their lineup, and um, their defense is big and physical and athletic, and they've got a great goaltender in Del Bianco, and and uh, you know uh, I know uh, Mouse Kurt Miloski is a, he's a great coach, and he's going to have them prepared. So I mean, we uh, we're just going to try to be the best versions of ourselves and, and try to play to our strengths and and I think we've done a good job of that at home so far. Aside from the last couple of weeks, is is um, you know hopefully try to make them play more of our style uh, versus the other way around and, and chasing the game the other way around, kind of letting them dictate. We're going to try to be aggressive and and um, and hopefully hopefully it'll pay off for us. But we're we're expecting a you know a twelve round. You know, about you know, we, we know that they're not going to go 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 away quietly, and and neither are we. So uh, we're we're really looking forward to the matchup. What's the vibe like in San Diego? I mean, a lot of people, you know, get jealous of you guys, the weather you get, and that outdoor arena that you've got. But maybe just tell us, you know, like what what's the vibe like in the community, and how's the reception been? You know what? It's been. Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, it's been a quite a, uh, an amazing ride so far. Um, you know, we were able to, uh, which was probably the best thing for us. Our owner, uh, Joe, uh, took us out for dinner, uh, downtown San Diego after the game. You know, I don't take losses very well as you could assume, but, uh, I think it was a great, great, no, um, Pat, not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was a great way for us to gain some perspective on, on how how uh, amazing of an experience is, it has been just to be involved in the team, um, and, you know. But you know we've had so many. You know we've had the community. I think the lacrosse community is growing and building, and you're going to see, you know, over the next couple of years, uh, us growing some momentum. You know, in terms of the fan base, and uh, it's got a crazy great buzz in in the city. And and from a player perspective, I, I don't know what you could really what more you could really ask for um you know it's uh it's a it's a pretty cool place to play in a lot of ways and you know we have we've had we've had you know so many people come out and and uh get involved in our team volunteer to be involved in our team like 
Like uh, we have a couple of Navy SEALs that help us with the, the mental aspect of the game. We had Bill Walton at practice, who's a San Diego guy on Friday. We've had so many cool um, experiences and gifts that just from just been just from being a part of the city and being a part of this organization. So I know a lot of the guys feed off of that and take great pride in it and, and feel really grateful themselves, as do I. So, you know, hopefully we can give them a, a good show next week and, and extend this, this first year as, as far as we can. Pat, uh, I know you got to get going. Really appreciate your time. Uh, keep up the good work at the Hill Academy. Best of luck uh, to your San Diego Seals in the playoff matchup. Make sure you say hello to my old buddy Doug Locker next time you see him down there. And last thing I'll say to you is uh, let's go Raptors. Let's go Raptors. <laughs> let's go Raptors. But, hey, thanks a lot, guys. And, and you guys keep up the good work as well. We need more guys like you guys promoting the game and, and uh, sharing our story. So, Good job, and thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Pat. Uh, Enjoy the game. That was Patrick Merrill of the San Diego Seals, and what a job, Evan. Uh, Not only Pat Merrill, but Steve Govett, Josh Gross, uh, Josh Sanderson, Billy Greer, everybody involved with that San Diego team has really launched that franchise nicely as successful year one, regardless what happens uh, in the coming weeks here. And, and you know, a, a great hire there by Steve Gavitt, Pat Merrill, to, to kind of lead the ship in their inaugural season. No, absolutely. They did their homework, and that's the key. They, you know, they found all these free agents that were out there, like Billings, you got them for nothing. You know, they did their homework with the expansion draft. They got a good base of players. Getting Dan Dawson, massively critical, and Brody Merrill. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's it's a phenomenal story. Um, you know, and who knows where the, where the next little step's going to take them. And stay tuned because you're going to hear Patrick Merrill's name a few times coming up in the next segment. Oh, yeah. I think uh, he will be on some lists for not only Coach of the Year, but uh, General Manager of the Year as well. We don't want to spoil it, but we will get to it on the other side. It's Lacrosse Classified's version of the NLL Awards. It's next right here on Extreme Threats, Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is John Gertler, the voice of the Buffalo Bandits. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified Lacrosse fans. Uh, thanks goes out to Associated Labels and Packaging. they got a brand new warehouse. i got to go down there and check that thing out. They posted up a couple of pictures. You can find them at Associated LP. They're starting up a new warehouse. And what makes this company so great is they do everything with the environment in in mind. And they're leading the charge as far as companies who are environmentally friendly. Labels and packaging, they are the best in the business. They create first impressions. Find them online at associated-labels.com. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar back with you. One final quarter to go here on Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, it's time now. We'll get to the NLL Awards here in mere moments. But uh, time now for the 
playoff version of Stampede Tacks, who you got, and they are your complete source for boots. Check out a huge selection of cowboy. I'll be wearing some of those this week. Blundstones, I'll be wearing some of those at a later date as well. They're CSA approved. They ship Canada-wide. They're located in Cloverdale since 1967. Online, stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping Local. We were kind of trying to think of maybe something we could do for playoff time here, Evan. I don't know if we really need to put anything on the line here for playoff time. I think we're going to have a lot of similar picks anyway. So, I don't know. What do you think? Do we need to put a bet on this or what? Well, that's up to you, but I'm going to give you one break here. Mm. And that is... You said last week that my picks influenced yours. Mm. So for week one, I will host, and therefore you have no oh, influence man. whatsoever. The fans have not heard you say who you got, and I don't know how long. This is going to be weird for me. But uh, okay, um, well, you suggested maybe we we switch or we get to pick each other's profile pick on Twitter. Whoever, so this is going to go right to the the through the Champions Cup. Is that is that what's happening? Yep, that's right. Okay, okay. Maybe this is a good time to also let people know, Evan, that we've kind of we've come to an agreement here at the end of the National Lacrosse League regular season. You will take a, a bit of a hiatus through the summer, and I'm going to welcome back my old partner from Lacrosse Classified. Brad Challoner will be joining us back here uh, through the summer months as he's going to be calling some WLA games. He'll be doing some world championship games and kind of be a little closer to the action through the summer and give you a chance to spend some more time with your family, have a bit of a break, and you'll check in from time to time when there's NLL news as far as the expansion draft or trades or what have you, and uh, we'll spot you in uh, through the summer. So we'll just break that news right here, right now. A little change of pace. Uh, come the end of the NLL season, which is still, what, about a month away from now. Um, So playoff games, there are four of them, Evan, and the first one begins Mm -hmm. on Friday night. Uh, Do you want to take it from here? That's my job. Okay. Yes, it is. All right. All right. So a rematch of this past Saturday's game. Saskatchewan, the number one seed, taking on the Colorado. Saskatchewan. I'm taking Saskatchewan, Evan. Oh, I forgot. you got to say it first. Hang on. Who you got? Saskatchewan. I'm going to take Saskatchewan, Evan. I just, uh, I mean, it's pretty simple math here. They swept the season series. They're at home, and this is a playoff game, and I just think they're a better team, and if they play to their potential, this game should go the way of the rush. So give me the defending champions. Yeah, give me the rush, too. The problem is Colorado scored 7, 7, 8, 9 the last several games. You're not going to hold the rush to that few goals. Uh, it should be a pretty easy pick. It's the rush here. Then Saturday night, we go to Banditland, Buffalo hosting New England. Who you got? Yeah, I think this this is going to be a huge crowd in Buffalo here on Saturday night. Uh, I don't want to see any Star Wars dorks out there using May 4th or what is it? May the 4th be... Just just stop it with that, please. Uh, especially adults. Come on. Um, New England, I don't know why I just brought the May. I just saw May 4th and it made me think of it. 
kind of drives me nuts every year that uh, people do that. Anyways, uh, Jenner probably thinks I'm talking directly to him, and I sort of am, I suppose, in, in a way. Give me the Buffalo Bandits 7. Uh, I don't think this one is going to be all that close. I think Buffalo goes away winning this one by 4, I'm going to say. Uh, being on their home floor, I think, you know they've shown it all year. They're they're kind of the cream of the crop of the league this year. And yes, it is a one game showdown, but uh, the home record, especially for Eastern teams, as we've kind of chronicled all year long, Buffalo has been real good. Seven and two at home. Give me the Bandits over the Black Wolves. The Bandits too. Um, maybe it's I got it a little closer than you do, but the Bandits are the hottest team in the league right now by far. You know, they've racked up 18 against San Diego, having to travel all the way across the continent. New England, you know, they might get 12 or so past Vince if that's, but I, it still won't be enough to beat the Bandits. Pretty simple pick once again. If you now, get 12 on t- Vince, you're doing something right if you're New England. Yeah. Now, here's maybe the toughest one of the week because there's a wild card as to whether Mike Poulin's going to play. Georgia hosting Toronto Monday night game. Who you got? I don't know, Evan. I don't know. Who you got? Hey, you go few pick first. You know how this works. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Um man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Seven and two, Georgia Swarm at home, Toronto four and five on the road, both identical twelve and six records. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but all three games were fairly tight in the regular season. Yeah, they were. One in overtime, one, like I said, Lyle Thompson scored twice in the last minute mm-hmm. if Georgia one goal win. And what was the other one? Just trying to buy myself some time here to make a pick. Just had Eddie Como on the show. Usually means good karma. Tough picking against Toronto, though, man. And that Poulin, I can't take the Toronto Rock here, Evan. I just, I don't know about Poulin. He could be one save away from being out of the game again, even if he is good to go. And, man, like, this is a tough, I think this game is going to go to overtime, and I'm going to take Toronto to win it. I'm going to take the Swarm. I'm going to assume that Poulin is going to play. <laughs> even if he's 70%, he's going to play. Uh, and it's just that home record and the, uh, you know, Georgia's used to playing Sunday games on a regular basis. I don't know if a Monday game is going to shake them as much. It may have a bigger impact on Toronto. So I'm taking the swarm, but just like you, it's, it's going to be a one goal game in my mind. So I had literally had question marks in, in my notes mm. as to who to pick. You actually one. make notes for this, huh? Yeah, but I mean, okay, just just putting that yeah, out there. Yeah, I mean, you got to have just put. You got to be a little prepared to do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you do. Maybe uh, you do. All right. Then the other other Monday night game. So right after this one's over, ten thirty p.m. I'm actually really looking Coast. forward to this back to back Monday night playoff lacrosse. Like usually Monday Monday is kind of like my Sunday, if you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm. Please just punch just to, so we may have to record early Tuesday just to make sure that we get these games in. I think that's what we're going to do regardless. But I'm just saying, like yeah. uh, Monday, like uh, Monday night football has worked out okay for the yeah. for the National Football League. I'm just I'm not you know I'm just saying 
just saying, I'm looking forward to this. It, it, it's just going to throw a bunch of players off. A guy like Adam Jones, who's a teacher, right? It's mm. going to be not the easiest schedule. But San Diego hosting Calgary, and we talked before about how one team is struggling. The uh, road team's the one that's red hot. Who you got? Yeah, I, it, I'm going to take Calgary here. Uh, just because I think they are kind of clicking and, and gelling at the right time, playing their best. And, and Jesse King has been a huge addition to that. Cal- it's changed the whole dynamic of that rough roughneck offense, which was already pretty potent with the MVP and, and Superman involved, uh, Dutch and, and Pace, um, who won't be available for this San Diego game, mind you. And, and they, I feel like they are a bit of a different team without Tyler Pace in there kind of doing the dirty work on that right side. But... Um, you know, this is going to be a neat showdown here between Del Bianco and Shiliano, who are real good friends away from the game, are going to go head to head here. San Diego six and three on their home floor, Calgary five and four on the road, but I just think they are trending in the right direction here. Um, so I'm going to take the Calgary Roughnecks over the Seals on the road. Yeah, so am I. Uh, and there's a lot of factors into this. Um, you know, since Austin Stotts was out of the lineup, San Diego sputtered a bit on offense. Um, I got more faith in the, um, you know, the ability at this stage in Christian Del Bianco than I do in Frankie Shiliano. I think Shiliano's just running out of gas a bit here. Uh, so I'm not going to bet against the team that's red hot. So it's, it's the Roughnecks and it's, uh, it's a rarity that, uh, road team in the playoffs would be picked by both of us yeah so we both have two well i got saskatchewan you got saskatchewan we both have buffalo so two home teams there you took georgia i took toronto and then we both took calgary so i got two home teams two road teams you got three home teams one road team uh, so our only differentiating pick is Toronto at Georgia. You got the Swarm, I got the Rock. We shall see how it plays out Monday afternoon for me, Monday evening for you. Uh, that was Stampede Tax, who you got, playoff edition. Uh, we're running a little long here on Lax Class. We're past the hour mark here, Evan, but we do want to get to our NLL awards here. We have a number of categories. Uh, we left out uh, the Borelli Award just because I think that would be a little... I don't know, self-serving to to put that out there. So <laughs> I don't know. We just left it out. Anyways, let's let's run through these. Well, I know who my pick would be. But yeah, me too. And, and I think it's a pretty consensus from from our gang that that Tyson Geik deserves a, a Borelli Award. I'm not sure he's going to be eligible for it or not. Uh, hopefully he is, and if he's not, he should be. But uh, he would be our number one pick for this season, no question. Uh, but let's run through our awards here, Evan, here on Lacrosse Classified. MVP, we both have Dane Doby down as the winner, and I don't think there's any kind of real debate as far as that goes. You had, uh, what do you had? You had Vince down. I had Matt Vince second. Yeah, yeah, I had Challen Rogers second. We both had Lyle Thompson third. Um Kind of be interesting to see who those two and three guys are. There's a number of guys that could slip into that category. I think Vince, I think Rogers, I think Crawford, um, and and Thompson's going to be in that conversation as well as far as who finishes second and third. But I think Doby is your clear cut winner. Yeah, I mean, I just look at the impact Vince had on that Bandits team. I mean, the defense that was in trouble last year went from that to allowing the fewest goals in the league this year. So. 
that's why Vince is there. I know a lot of people say, well, this should be an offensive award, and it isn't. It's the best overall yeah. player, and he deserves to be in there. Absolutely. With all the, that being said, uh, he is the clear-cut consensus winner for goaltender of the year. I don't think there's any debate about that either. Matt Vince will win his seventh goaltender of the year. You had Dylan Ward in second. I had Shiliano, even though he's kind of fading down the stretch here. Um, I still think he has had a good enough season to warrant some votes there, and I had him in second. You had Dylan Ward. I had Ward in third. You had Del Bianco in third, which I'm not going to dispute or, or debate any of those picks as well. I think all those guys are pretty deserving. I think uh, you could probably put Nick Rose into that conversation as well. Yeah, and I think the difference there is Chiliano's performance in the last four or five games just hasn't been as stellar as they were prior to that. That's why I had him fourth, but, I mean, it's very clear who the number one is, and it's not even close. Defensive player of the year, third place vote, you had Priolo. I went with Graham Hosick. Uh That was different for us, and I think, you know, again, either one of those guys – uh, merits some attention. We both had Mike Messenger in second place. We both had Kyle Rubish in first place. If Kyle Rubish doesn't win Defensive of the Player of the Year, something is heavily askew. I don't know uh, how you make an argument against him. I really don't. Actually, when I was talking with him after the game Saturday, I mean, he's a little shy about um, you know these kinds of awards, and I you know mm. I kind of gave him the heads up that you know we were picking them anyways, and. You know, if if you think that Rubish and Messenger being the top two, it's a little self-serving because we both are with the rush yeah. in some capacity. It's not because when you talk to the guys in the chat group, you know, Messenger's second or third. Rubish is typically the guy in first almost across the well, board. Well, just ask the so, opposing offensive players around the league who they think it is. There's your answer. They're going to say Kyle Yeah, Rubish. I mean... And that's the thing. I mean, Kyle Rubish, you know, and this is the thing in the post-game interview with um, with Chris Corbeil. He said, you know, he's asked what, what the superpower was of Kyle Rubish because it was Superheroes Night. Mm. He says this magic one. He flat out <laughs> said, you know, he could be one-on-one with a guy yeah. and he, hits, he gets his stick six times and he ends up taking a holding penalty because the ball's not coming out. And where Rubish can just, you know, a little flick and the ball's gone, and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, no one He's can do old form. No one can do what he can do as far as defensively, where he takes a hand off his stick, comes down with that chop, and and out comes the ball, scoop it up back the other way. Nobody else in the league can do that. Check. Uh, coaches would freak out if if defenders started trying that because you're just going to get cooked underneath, and and it's going to be a dive across the crease every time. Except when it's yeah. Kyle Rubish, transition player of the year, and again a unanimous vote here, pretty much uh, across the board. Shallon Rogers is going to win the award. Uh, I had Priolo and Steph Charbonneau in my voting. You had Trevor Baptiste and Steve Priolo. I'm not so sure about your second-place pick there with Baptiste. A dominant face-off guy, but, I mean, no goals in transition here, Evan. Um, and I I get it, a lot of loose balls, but I don't, I don't know if he's a transition guy. I think he's just a dominant well, face-off guy that comes up with possession. But the NLL throws face-off specialists into this transition award. And you just can't deny the season that he's had. And that's why I've got him second. But, you know, this is an award when you typically look at it that the votes get so scattered. It's the guy that just kind of creeps up with the the most of a melding pot. Yeah. 
in this case, Challen Rogers has, has been just so dominant that it, it's an easy pick for him for transition player of the year. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I, I one thing the league really needs to figure out, and I just get away from it. Just it, list everybody as defense or list everybody as transition or list everybody as D slash transition because trying to figure out who is a pure defenseman and who is a transition guy. Like there's been years where, you know, we've seen Jordan McIntosh win transition player of the year award where he played predominantly offense all year. And, you know, is Mike Messenger a D guy or is he a transition guy? I just... They need to clarify well, and make it so much more clear than than right. who, who's a D guy, who's a transition guy, who's eligible to win it, who's not. It's a little convoluted, and I'd like to see him clean that up. And I think the way both of us kind of looked at it was defense is defense. You know, who's the best at defending the goal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, on the on that end. Whereas transition was more of the push down the floor. All right, let's move along to Rookie of the Year. In third place, I had Trevor Baptiste, and here's why. He absolutely crushed the overall face-off win record this season. That gives him instant cred in my department. Uh, He's not going to win Rookie of the Year, but to break a record, a league record in your rookie, and not just like he smashed it. Uh, so that was super impressive to me, and, and the kid's only going to get better. So uh, you had McKay, I had Baptiste. We both had Kyle Killen, who you got to wonder, if he played a full 18-game schedule, would he be in first instead of who we both selected and won Austin Stotts? And I don't think he can take away what he accomplished this year before getting injured. He's still going to win the award. No, he's going to win the award. He's just that dominating. That I think that's the key difference is, you know, teams play Austin Stotts like he is a veteran, like he's a Mark Matthews, right? Whereas Killen maybe a little different. I had Baptiste fourth, and I really debated back and forth between him and McKay. reason I took McKay simply was that he's played D, he's played transition, he's played forward, he's that versatile. He's going to be, uh, you know, literally you could put him anywhere similar to a Lyle Thompson, and he's going to do well. Absolutely. Uh, we added a couple of categories here, thanks to our friends at uh, Lacrosse Flash. So we'll just uh, we'll, we'll add these in to our awards. Keep in mind, these are not official. Um, so in honor of Lacrosse Flash, we went with the Big Team Guy Award. Um, I had down Nikki Bilic for my winner. You had Brett Midsky. You want to tell this Midsky story because it almost swayed my vote, but I'm going to stay with Nick Bilic. But uh, why, don't you, why don't you just kind of lay out why you pick Brett Midsky as your big team guy? I remember talking to him the day after the championship, and he said, you know, I was like, you know, are you going to be back? Because he's a free agent. And he said, you know, I'm going to be doing everything I can to be back. And you said, Here's what happened this summer, for those that don't know the story. He, you know, he doesn't get protected, uh, and as most UFAs didn't. And San Diego starts calling him. He tells him he doesn't want to go there. He might not report. San Diego picks him anyways, threatens to franchise the guy. So if he had been franchised, he's making at least 25, more likely 35% more money than he would with the rush. Threaten but might be a bit of a strong want... word, Evan. Threaten might be a bit of a strong word. Just saying. Yeah. And, and, you know, anyways, then, you know, Vancouver's on his tail. 
trying to get him to go there. There's a lot of money on the table. He can be close to home. But he did all this. He wants to be back in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan gets his rights back. And as much as there was a player push at that time not to sign any contracts until the new CBA was out, he signed on July 31st. He didn't give the rush a heart attack. That's how much he wanted to be there, and he bucked the trend. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty awesome stuff there from Brett Mitski. And, and you know, to turn down Vancouver—that's his general manager in the summertime, where he plays his summer ball that he's saying no to. Um, and and don't get it twisted. Like Saskatchewan had to pay a price to San Diego to get Brett Mitski back, but uh, they wanted Brett back, and and that's where Brett wanted to be, and that's how it all played out. And um, you know, uh, making less money, but uh, where he wants to be, and, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, I had Creppy Old Speedbag down as my second uh, pick. Alex Kreppensek from the Swarm as big team guy. You went with Dan Dawson. I put Cadillac Hot Carl. Tyler Carlson down as third place. You went with another goalie as well, and maybe the biggest team guy around, uh, Steve Fryer. He's going to be eligible to win that award almost every year is Steve Fryer. So you had my third place vote this year. Comeback player of the year, Evan. Um, This is an interesting kind of category here. I went with Cam Holding in third place. I think the year that he has had, especially coming off a real serious knee injury, has been real impressive. You went with uh, Jordan McBride out of Vancouver after an absence there. Has had a real breakout kind of a year uh, for him. He's had a real nice year for Vancouver. Bunch of votes he got for third place. Second place, I actually had McBride in second place. You had Dan Dawson. uh, And everybody who was picking is picking Garrett Billings for comeback player of the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy has been gone for two and a half years. And he pulls off a season like that, you know, it's like he never left. And he's getting his stats up to where he was in the Toronto days. Absolutely amazing uh, performance. The reason I took Dan Dawson second is a year ago, he's in Rochester. He becomes a healthy scratch. He gets traded to Saskatchewan. After a couple of games, he's a healthy scratch. It looked like we might have seen the end of Dan Dawson. And now he goes back to San Diego. And he is this massive threat, and he's just a treat to watch. So as as much as I think a lot of other people kind of overlooked him because he's Dan Dawson, Mm. where he came from a year ago and where he is today is a total different story. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Breakout player of the year. This one was pretty hotly contested, and, and I think you could go a number of different directions. And I didn't even have this guy on my list, but somebody else put him down, and I went, oh, yeah like him, and that was Casey Jackson, uh, who almost reached 40 goals in what really is his first year in the National Lacrosse League. Like, he played, what, two games, I think, last year for Vancouver. Um, So Casey Jackson, I think, is in the conversation. Keegan Ball has to be in that conversation. Thomas Hogarth has to be in that conversation. And one Eli McLaughlin definitely has to be in that conversation as well. You went McLaughlin, Hogarth, Ball. I went McLaughlin, Hogarth, Ball. But I almost want to change one of my picks. I don't know where I would put him, but I want to put Casey Jackson in there somewhere because I think he's been that impressive. I mean, this one, don't take what we're saying for granted. We're two of ten votes in this thing. Um, there's a lot of different um, votes all over the place on this one. Uh, McLaughlin is my pick simply because 
He had to take that load in Colorado. Uh, team struggling. He was the offensive juggernaut. Now, of course, at the end of the season, he got banged up. Um, you know, Thomas Ogarth, of course, is the guy that was playing out the back door last year. He gets a chance up front. He's banging. He's collecting garbage goals. But you know what? Garbage goals count just the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need a guy like that. And Keegan Ball, the way he's ended this season, you know, he had that, what, 14-point game. Uh, and he was playing senior B last year. So, yeah. you know, you find a diamond in the rough like that sometimes. Um, so, yeah, let's move along. So we'll see who wins that. GM of the year, this one's pretty straightforward as well. We all think Patrick Merrill is going to win it. Steve Dietrich comes in second. Derek Keenan comes in third. Uh, if you have a write-in vote for something like that, uh, feel free to go ahead and at me if you want. Uh, I think that's going to be the order that they finish in and all very deserving there. The Les Bartley Award, Coach of the Year. This is another interesting one here, Evan. Um, you went... Third place, Matt Sawyer. Second place, Pat Merrill. First place, Tavares slash Kilgore as their co-head coaches there in Buffalo. I don't think you can ignore the season that Buffalo has had, and I don't think you take away anything from either Tavares or Kilgore because they're sharing duties. And and each member of the coaching staff, like Jeff McComb, is so important to Derek Keenan that, yeah, he's the assistant coach, but he has a huge impact on that team. And regardless of whether somebody is named the head coach or co-coach or assistant coach, every coach on the National Lacrosse League bench has a huge impact on their team. So um, we had to split the duties because there, there's not a definitive head coach there in Buffalo, but I think that Bandit staff, along with Rusty Kruger, uh, have had a great year there in Buffalo, and I think they deserve the yeah. Les Bartley Award. Merrill, second. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and I think the thing there, too, is we all kind of wondered when they announced this co-head coach, like, how's this going to work? And it's worked beautifully. Yeah. That's the the thing. And then, you know, John Tavares inherited an offense that had a ton of holes. I I think they only had four guys signed at the start. And, you know, probably the top offense in the league right now. So it's a pretty obvious choice in my opinion, not maybe in everybody's opinion, but in mine certainly it is. And Patrick Merrill, like, what can you say? He had a team of guys that a lot of them just never played before together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he almost won the West Division. Yeah, there's some so, write-in votes there for Camo, some write-in votes for Miloski and Matt Sawyer as well. So um, I think it's either going to be Tavares and Kilgore or Merrill. We'll just have to wait and see there as one more category to go. It's the executive of the year. And I think... Steve Govett's going to win this one hands down uh, for the job that he has done in San Diego launching that franchise. Uh, Loeffler with some votes in second place. Uh, Urban getting some votes in third place. Uh, Mike Board as well. But uh, let's focus on first place and, and one Steve Govett who the man knows how to launch a franchise, Evan. Yeah, he does. He You know, he's launched two of them. He launched one of them to be one of the biggest teams in the league and you didn't miss a beat here in San Diego. You went to a market where almost nobody knew lacrosse. Uh, the amount of promotion that they did was phenomenal. There's some of the best social media out there, pretty obvious. And, you know, some people might look at my third place at, with Bruce Urban and say, you know, why? And, and the reason is this, you know, 
Yeah, the Rush may not have grown a lot this year, but they're still number one in attendance. Yeah. They make the most money in the league. They sell the most merchandise. And you've got to respect that right he, to the end. And he does a lot of fabulous things in the city of, of Saskatoon and around the province of Saskatchewan as far as giving back uh, to the community with with different agendas and, and auctions and what have you and um i mean they're just woven in to the fabric there of saskatchewan now and and that's what you want out of a franchise uh had rod peterson at the game there last weekend uh, i know the fans are pretty pumped up about that as well as good to meet rod evan we've gone way too long here this week on lacrosse classified but we wanted to get those awards in uh keep an eye out for the lacrosse flash awards coming out uh pretty short order as well i think evan and i will be a part of uh, announcing those uh once all the votes are in but uh, that is going to wrap up another big week uh, bc junior a schedule has kicked off it's underway langley out of the gates 2-0 delta win over burnaby to start the year and the season's just going to get cranked up here still hoping to announce some webcasting details here in the next coming days as well keep an eye out for social media i'll be dressed up uh, in a cowboy outfit sometime this week and we'll get those pictures up for your viewing enjoyment as well big thanks to eddie camo and to patrick merrill no just kidding it's patrick merrill uh big thanks to those guys for coming on the show and to our sponsors of course stampede tack pure vital labs associated labels and packaging and extreme threads for supporting the podcast as always make sure you're supporting our sponsors that's how you keep this thing going and now, speaking of going, we will do that. For Evan Scheminar, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, thanks for listening to Extreme Threats Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network.